Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and thank you for joining me today. We are doing a whole entire week on relationships, and we are now talking about actual relationships and how to make those relationships work. So last week, if you missed last week, we talked about relationships with God, being made in the image of God. He is a relational being. Why relationships are so important to him. We talked about the relationship with yourself, which is extremely important. It directly affects how you relate with other people and how successful those relationships are and how much you enjoy them. So we, we left off really talking about rules, and we have rules for everything. And, and, you know, many times if you have experienced oppressiveness or manipulation or control, um, it, rules to you may feel like a really, really bad thing. And so if you were really repressed by it or controlled by it or had unnecessary, ridiculous laws that made no sense, then you may have become more rebellious. You may become more resistant and absolutely refusing to do these these laws. And so you end up throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? You say, I just don't like rules, so I'm going to do everything I can to get out of a rule. The only way that I can feel happy and free is if I, I break rules or I work around them or I ignore them. And we mentioned in yesterday's show that Arizona has, you know, what we call the stupid motorist law. And that came about because of the monsoons that Phoenicians experience. And it floods freeways and it floods roads and, and all kinds of places. And, and we were having people that were trying to drive their cars through that water because they didn't want to wait. They didn't want to go around. And they were getting trapped in very fast-moving water in a car. And people were drowning, and we had to do extreme things to extricate people out of these situations. And they finally started, they, they created a law that said, hey, this is common sense. If you break this, you're going to pay, because this is stupid. This is not healthy. The barricades are there for a reason, not because we're trying to steal something for you or, or make your life difficult. We're trying to make you safe. You go through that barricade, you go into to water that's moving rapidly, that is higher than two inches, three inches, you are going to pay for us to rescue you. And unfortunately, sometimes people were not able to be rescued. So rules and laws are very important and are given to us for the well-being of us. That's why God gave them, was for the well-being of his people. This is how we live life in the fullest. This is how we get the most out of life. If we live within healthy limits and follow basic common laws. And he also gave us, the, the, the laws were the foundation for the nation of Israel. This organized Israel, this strengthened Israel. It's like our constitution. It was a framework for living. 
And God also gave us rules because it was to remind people of their sinfulness, not to shame them, to make them feel bad, to show them how bad they were. But laws help me know when I'm getting out of bounds. Laws help me know, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm getting outside of a reference point. Just like we said yesterday, if, if I'm driving down the highway and I'm coming close to a yellow line, I know I'm close to getting off the freeway and maybe driving then on the shoulder and off into the desert versus the dotted yellow line. I mean, the dotted white line. But the dotted white line helps me know I'm getting into a new lane. I better make sure no one's in that if I merge into that lane. So they're to keep us safe. We're driving so fast. It's amazing that there are not more accidents. So when we look at this idea of rules, we go back to this sentence that I'm going to, this verse that I'm going to keep hammering home. And this is Matthew 22, verse 35 through 42, and it's out of the Message Bible. The most important command is what it's called. Said when the Pharisees heard how he had bested the Sadducees, they gathered their forces for an assault. One of their religious scholars spoke for them, posing a question they hoped would show up Jesus. They said, Teacher, which command in God's law is the most important? Because they had a lot of laws, a lot, thousands, I think. And Jesus said, Love the Lord with all your passion and prayer, and intelligence. Intelligence is common sense. This is good judgment. He says your passion, your prayer, and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list, but there is a second to set alongside it. And it's interesting that he says it's set alongside it. So it's first, and this one is second, but they live next to each other. And this is what it says, love others as well as you love yourself. These two commands are pegs. Everything in God's law and the prophets hangs from them. Love others as well as you love yourself. And we talked last week, if you missed the show, about loving yourself, how important it is to be able to do that. So let's look at some rules that you might want to adopt and make your own. Most of these rules I have found to work exceedingly well in relationships, especially in intimate and romantic relationships. So as you listen, write down the ones you feel would work for you in relation to others to God and to self. Add them if you feel the need. Take out what you think might not apply. And if you have rules that we don't talk about today, you might want to consider, hey, is that a good rule? Or is that one working? Because we always know rules are working when we have peace, when we have security. That's what rules offer. Peace, security, freedom. And this is very, very important. Without rules, we grow wild. And we talked about that last week, that one of the reasons God wants us in relationship is because if we're not, we grow wild. So remember, this is only a template and for you to use as a design, a structure, and a safe place to live within your relationship. So you add or subtract whatever it is that works for you. You can, you can adopt it. You can tailor-make it. 
But this is what I want you to really think about, all right? And these are rules that I really adhere to in my life, and they work very well. So number one, remember, this is an exhaustive list, okay? Always be polite. For treatment as well as you would a person you just met. Always be polite. I work really hard at being polite and courteous, and I'm telling you, it causes me to bring out a really good version of people. Even if the situation is uncomfortable, even if someone's been transgressed, let down, misunderstood, if I have to confront someone, I really work on being polite. I'm polite in the grocery store. I'm polite while I'm driving. I try the best I can to be polite while I'm driving because it brings peace on the road. You know what it feels like when people are polite to you. Think of the, the, the um, person that's waiting your table, and they're snotty, dismissive. How, how does it make you, your, your experience of that dinner feel? Steals from it. But when you have a server that is really polite and really wants to serve you and give you a really good experience, you probably tip them really well, and you might want to go back. So number two, assume the best. Because if they could be doing better, they probably would. It doesn't make any sense for people to just decide I'm going to do it bad. I'm going to do it the worst version of myself. I'm just going to, I'm going to mess it all up. It doesn't make any sense. So assume they are doing their best, the best they possibly can, because pain is a great motivator. And if they could be doing better, they would. They don't want to be in pain, just like you and I don't. So regardless of the pain they appear to be inflicting, the way they are acting is probably alleviating something for them in some form, but in the end, it's not going to be helpful. So I always want to assume the best of a person. Number three, check things out before taking it personally. Before you just automatically become offended or assume something terrible or critical about this person because of something they said or did, and you think, how dare they? How dare they treat me that way? Who do they think they are? Well, now I'm going to pay them back. You might want to check it out. You might want to say, hey, you know, I called you up and you were, you were pretty short with me. I just want to check it out. Is everything okay? Did I offend you in some way? Have I let you down somehow? And usually what you will get is that a reply of that person saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I know I was. I was in a really bad mood, and I shouldn't have treated you that way. That's going to be 80% of the population. You give them the opportunity to fix it, and they'll fix it. This helps to cut down on stress for all of us. So before I take something personally and get offended, I'm going to check it out. If my relationship with that person isn't intimate enough for me to check it out, I'm just going to forgive them, and I'm going to move on. I'm not going to carry it with me. I'm not going to ruminate on that negativity and create a bigger offense, because as soon as I do that, I'm now more defensive to the world, and I will pass it on. So now the bad treatment I received, I'm going to pass on to somebody else, because I'm going to be in a bad mood. So I either check it out, or I let it go. But either way, I'm going to let it go. Number four. I want you to remind yourself, this person, he or she, is not the enemy. Even if they seem to be acting like one, check it out. 
Forgive them. Because if they are the enemy, why are you with them? You as an adult have choices. You can leave the relationship. Why would you be living with the enemy? Why would you be dating the enemy? Why would you be dating somebody that is actively an enemy in your life harming you? Why would you marry that person? Why would you stay with that person? And if you're working with that person or working for someone that way, this is where you start asking for the prayer support of your friends and family around you so that God will open more doors, so that you can get the job that you need so you can leave. And you do it as an adult without doing it impulsively. So number five, feelings are very real, but not always true. This is a very important adult concept. My feelings are very real. They are very unique and they are very personal to me. It doesn't always mean they're true. And I'll give you an example. When I work with people that have eating disorders, the feeling of being fat, the feeling of being so scared they will get fat causes them to not eat, damage their body greatly because it feels so real. We're looking at the person. She's 5'6", 103 pounds. She's not fat. But she feels so fat and so scared she will become fatter that she gets skinnier but can never experience the truth of being thin. She only experiences her reality of feeling fat. So always remind yourself, somebody may be having a negative feeling about you or your situation. It doesn't necessarily mean you did anything wrong. Maybe they've misperceived you. Maybe they don't understand you. Maybe they're just having a bad day. Maybe they got their feelings hurt somewhere or by you and didn't have the courage to tell you. So if someone's having a negative feeling about you or a situation, this is where instead of just believing it and thinking, wow, I'm a terrible, horrible person, I suck, or how dare they and get offended by them, I want to check it out, assume the best. Number six, really important relationship rule. Ask yourself, am I helping the situation? Really important, really important rule I place on myself. Am I, am I truly helping the situation or am I complicating it? With my own hurts, my own needs, my own insecurities, my own exhaustion, my own whatever it is, opinions. Because if I'm not, then as an adult, I need to let it play itself out, pray for them, refer them to something. But I really want to say to myself, what am I doing in this situation? And evaluating whether or not I'm actually helping. So number seven, if you have a partner, your friend, your child has needs, give it to them. Why would we withhold needs from people? Even why would we withhold wants from people that we love if, it, if, if it's not unhealthy for them? So many times I say to people, well, if they need it, why don't you just give it to them? It's so much nicer. It's so much kinder. It's so much more loving. It's really the way God is with us. Even though we are sinful, sinful creatures, if we have a need, 
He moves heaven and earth to get it for us, even if our behaviors are bad. He even gives us things we want when we don't deserve them. This is extensive, opulent, great, lavish love. How about number eight? Practice objectivity. My partner, friends, children, neighbors, boss, husband, wife, whatever, is getting on my nerves, I probably need to detach. I need to look at them as if I just met them. Would I be that critical? Would I be that judgmental? Would I take things as seriously if I just met them? Or would I give, be able to give them more the benefit of the doubt? So practicing objectivity helps me to back up a little bit so that I'm not quite so close. So that I give them some room to get their self together and I don't complicate the situation. So practicing objectivity actually helps a situation. Number nine, love is unconditional. Love is unconditional. God so loved the world. So I love people unconditionally. Intimacy, however, is earned. The better we do this whole process of loving your neighbor as you love yourself and loving God with all you have, you will better be able to know the difference. You will be able to love someone unconditionally even if you're not going to have intimacy with them. This means the person at the grocery store that I would never probably be friends with Maybe we have completely different lifestyles. I can tell by the way they talk, the way they look, the way they act, things they're buying. But let's say they fell down. Would I be like the Pharisee, the Sadducee, the priest who walked past the man on the side of the road? Or would I be the Good Samaritan? And when we did the, the week on actually helping the one you love, are we actually helping the ones we love? We talked about that story of the Good Samaritan. And the difference between unconditional love and intimacy. He wasn't trying to be best friends with the guy he rescued. He just was practicing God's heart. So, number 10. Relationships are like plants. They need tending. So, what are the unique things that make my relationship grow? Am I tending to my relationship? For example, a hothouse orchid? Rainforest flower needs something very different than a cactus. If we overwater a cactus, we kill it. If we don't water the rainforest flower enough, it dies. So men are notorious for watering a plant that's wilted. So I had this one gentleman one time because he was really having a hard time with this concept of tending to, to the relationship with his wife. And I said, here's the thing. I want you to, to either do this. You buy a goldfish or you buy a plant. And if you see that plant wilting or you see the goldfish upside down in a, in a filthy water, that's what you know is happening in your marriage. The more you learn to take care of that little plant, it takes a couple of seconds a day. Take care of that goldfish, took a couple of seconds a day. And this really helped him. He understood that he couldn't just wait until the need was extreme and then try and come in and fix it. 
So tending your relationships, that's a rule that I follow. When I break that rule, I apologize. When I'm negligent with that, I apologize. And I fix it. I get back up and I do what I know I need to be doing on a daily basis. I don't want my husband to feel neglected, but I have a very busy life. So if I'm not careful, I can get focused on all the, the stuff that I'm doing. And so I have a really big commitment because I married him to not neglect him. So the nature of women and men are different. They're like breeds of animals. So rule number 11 is if you treat a woman like a man, she'll start, probably start acting like one, right? That's not a very good version of a woman. It's not very pretty. So if you're making your husband or your boyfriend your girlfriend, he will get very confused, feel frustrated, disrespected, and extremely unsuccessful. I say to women frequently, your boyfriend, your husband can be your best friend, but he will never be your girlfriend. And you need to know the difference. So understanding gender differences, this is a big rule I put on clients. When I say you need to understand the differences and respect them, not take them personally, not try to change them, but recognize God was very happy with the way he made each gender, and he did it for a reason. Now, one of the rules about gender is I'm supposed to be a good version of a woman. That's God's, that, that's God's requirement on me, that I bless people through my gender, not complicate their lives through it. And that, that's a big rule. So how about this, number 12? How about do what your partner likes? Do what your kids like. Do what your friends like. But don't force them to always like what you're doing. This should go back and forth. This should be a mutual respect and support. So lots of times my husband does things with me that probably he would not do, which is like go to women's um, events and sit at the table and eat lunch with a lot of women, right, while I speak. But I do things that he likes, which is see movies that I might not otherwise go and see. That's how we started dating. I rode on the back of his motorcycle. I found out I really liked it. But that was a great love, a passion of his. So we're going to end on number 13, and this is know the difference between dysfunction, gender, and temperament. That's very important. Many times we think that when a man acts this way, it's dysfunctional, or when a woman is doing this, it's dysfunctional. We need to recognize if it's a gender in extreme, that's dysfunction, or if it's just simply being a woman or being a man. So we're going to start tomorrow, and we're going to finish up these rules. And I will have these, um, hoping it, it, they'll either be a blog or they will be on Facebook or Instagram. So either way, you're going to get maybe a condensed version of these rules so that if you're not able to write them all down and you're, you can't go back and listen to the show in enough time, th those will probably be available to you. So make sure you tune in tomorrow. We're going to finish up relationship rules. Who needs them? I want you to have a great day and be kind to yourself. Be kind to others. Love others as you love yourself. And love the Lord with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all that is within you. You will love well. Your relationships will work well. So join me tomorrow. Make sure you visit the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. 
If you would like a keynote speaker, you can get a hold of me through the website. And Jeremy, thank you always for being such a great producer. I look forward to talking to you tomorrow, and God bless you. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version.